Welcome to Regeneration Studios' fourth round of Career Blitz, a short episode exploring a day in the life of a job to help you understand what career possibilities are available to you. We'll be hearing from the experts themselves to give you a lightning taste of your possible future. So, have you ever felt fascinated by human behaviour? Have you ever wondered what different routes are available in the field of psychology? This blitz pod will give you a quick look into this industry, its rewards and challenges. We're meeting up with Benet Katabua, an educational psychologist working at a medical centre specialising in children's mental health issues and learning difficulties. Welcome to the show, Benet. Please give our listeners a brief idea of who you are, your background, your values, and why you became a child psychologist. Okay, hi. So my name is Bene. I'm an educational psychologist and a child psychologist in the Middle East at the moment. So I'm in Abu Dhabi, but I didn't start off here. I, I was born in the Democratic Republic of Congo, so in the DRC in Central Africa. And in the early 90s, our family moved to South Africa, um, which was on the brink of a really, really huge change. So I think I was really quite privy to witnessing how people respond to such big monumental changes. And I think that that's what really sparked an interest in human behavior for me, just to kind of look at the responses from my friends, my friends' families, my family, etc., and just recognizing the huge impact that I suppose change has on us from little people to big people. I'm from a pretty big family as well. And I think that also trying to manage the different personalities in the family also really got me quite interested in like, why do we operate the way that we do? Ever since then, I've just been fostering lots of questions and curiosity about people, which was a very clear kind of indication. It was quite easy for me to just fall straight into psychology because it sparked very, very clear interest from the get-go for me. Yes. And what would you say are your three top values? Um, my three top values, I would say, would be compassion, transparency, and empathy. Some which I'm able, of course, to do with my work, right? So compassion, I think that just kind of having that genuine desire for the well-being of others. And transparency, I suppose, just just a recognition for how vulnerability is just really, really difficult for a lot of people. And getting to the point of being transparent, speaking your mind, speaking your experiences, I really, really honor and value that because I recognize, I mean, that's really difficult for me. And I think when anyone allows me into that space and they're being transparent with me, I really, really value and honor that. And also a sense of empathy, being able to kind of just create a safe space for friends, for family, for clients, where they feel heard and they feel understood because that holds us. Um, even in the little ways of just kind of nodding your head and being like, mm, or in the big ways of like giving people big cuddly hugs or whatever the case might be, just kind of trying to extend that sense of, of feeling held. Um, I would say that those are three values that I do try to live by. And I'm grateful that I'm able to really extend that in my work and in my personal life. Yes, and I can imagine those values are really essential when you're a child psychologist, when you have to work with young people. Mm. Now, what is a typical day like helping children with their mental health? Mm. I mean, it's it's fun <laughs> because people are who they are and we're so complex. 
no day is exactly the same. I mean, it's the same in that I'm in the same space and I'm performing the same role, but what people are bringing to the table changes from hour to hour. And so that's just always exciting. It just keeps you on your toes. And I think that that's one of the really exciting things about this field is you're constantly kind of just having to think in the moment. You can't necessarily just rely on what the textbook has or what strategies you learned at a course. You really have to be creative and think in the moment. And so the day-to-day -day would look like, of course, in some aspects, you're sitting at the desk, you're responding to emails, um, you're on phone calls, <clears throat> scheduling this, working that out, answering some questions, and then the magic happens when you have that one-on-one -on -one with the child or the adolescent or with the parents, where you're able to really just be on your toes and to really be with them in the moment, whether it's just holding a space for them, for them to just explore whatever processes they have internally. And in some moments, that kind of back and forth of thinking with them and challenging their thinking, challenging the kind of problem thinking that they might be having in the moment. So it, yeah, it really varies. But a big part of it is the one-on-one -on -one work. And then sometimes you're also just down on your laptop writing reports, because that also takes a really, really big part when you're doing assessments or even just progress reports of just like being able to jot down exactly what you're doing so that you can actually track and monitor because they're not just coming just to chit chat or coming just to have a little bit of a yeah. play, but you also need to monitor and evaluate the work that you're doing. So I guess you get to have a bit of a balance of both because you do need a break from that intense personal one-on-one. Mm -hmm. -on -one, so you get to have that break when you're sitting down and writing. And then you also get to make some time for your own supervision, which is really, really beneficial in our field. So it's a different kind of one-on-one -on -one where another more experienced psychologist is kind of talking you through what it is that you've been doing in your work, just to make sure that you're on track and that you're not kind of getting stuck in any loopholes or that you don't have any blind spots in the work that you're doing. So it can be really varied, but yeah, I would say that those are the main elements of what makes our day our day. Okay. And then one clarification. So when you have your one-to-ones, is this normally in a typical therapy-like setup where you have to mm. kind of elicit responses and talk them through what's happened through the day? Or is it slightly different when you're working with children? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's different in that in the therapy room, there's toys. So a big part of working with children is play therapy and using the toys as a medium of communication. So rather than expecting the child to come in and sit on the sofa and asking you to tell me about your day or tell me why you're here, it's just kind of being on the floor in comfy clothing with them and using the toys to express. So the dinosaurs are having a big fight and being able to try and elicit understanding as to, oh, what's happening in this fight, right? And trying to prompt a little bit of, from their point of view, what might be happening there and then linking it to what what you're noticing. So after a few sessions, you start to really understand their language. And it's a lot clearer to recognize and say, okay, so perhaps, you know, when your little brother was born, it made you feel really, really angry. And it made you feel like a dragon that had fire breathing out of his mouth, right? And it's a lot easier to then really understand what's happening in their play. And then just having someone acknowledge and recognizing that already just has such a big impact. And I think that there's just so much room for growth in that. So I love being able to use play as a medium to really connect with them. And then for some kids who aren't necessarily wanting to be down and playing, we have some board games. We have wonderful therapeutic board games that we use 
and that in itself elicits particular questions. We get to practice turn-taking. We get to practice verbal expression. And for some of our kids, they really do just like to sit on the couch and have a moment to just talk to us. So all of those are absolutely available for them, depending on their age, depending on their ability, whatever medium that they have that would be beneficial in this space, we're happy to use it. Okay, that really sounds varied and fascinating. Mm -hmm. Now, what is the best part and what is the hardest part of your job? Ah, yeah, good question. The best part of my job is knowing that I'm making a valuable impact in society. It's interesting. So working in South Africa, I loved working with vulnerable communities. I loved doing work around trauma, etc. And I used to think that that was the only way that you're making a valuable impact in society. And then coming to the Middle East and working with a whole different population, I had to kind of really reframe my thinking and recognizing that like, just in the work that we're doing in general, even if you're not serving a vulnerable population, um, you're still doing really impactful work and being able to see that and getting off of my high horse of, oh, I'm just here to save uh, people who are in really dire situations. But yeah, I think it's just recognizing at the end of every single day that I was able to hold space for someone who didn't have that opportunity before, or I helped people solve some problems that they didn't know how to do by themselves, or I was able to have a consultation with a family who felt really stuck in a particular situation. So I think getting that sense of validation has been just wonderful. And I suppose the worst part in the same breath is knowing that there's so many limitations with that. Because I think a lot of us come into this field thinking I'm going to save the world, I'm going to save every child, because I suppose we're all wounded healers and we're all trying to save the child within as well. But in the work that you're doing, you recognize that your hands are tied, right? Some children that you're working with are really hungry and all you can provide is therapy or an assessment or some consultation here and there, and you're not necessarily providing them a sandwich or getting them out of, physically getting them out of a particular situation, and that can be really difficult. And even just acknowledging that, like, I only have 30 minutes once a week with this particular client. There's only so much that I can do. I have to remind myself of that every time because you just want to do more and more and more and more. And I suppose that that's the worst part is just sitting with the limitations of what it is that you can do when you want to do so much more. But it's a constant reminder of I'm doing the best with the resources that I have. And that's good enough. Yes. Well, that's wonderful to hear about your contribution in that way and that you see the hardest part as that part, the limitations of the job. Mm. So who would enjoy this kind of work? Everybody. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> if you're a listener and if you're curious, I think that this would be a really, really fulfilling job because yeah, you have to have a sense of curiosity to understand why people are operating the way that they do, um, recognizing how much of your childhood has an impact of who you become as an adult and wanting to kind of get in there in those early stages. So the curiosity aspect really needs to be there. The listening needs to be there. But I also think the resilience. So if you have a high tolerance for emotional pain and difficulty, I think that the, that would also be really helpful because it's difficult to sit 
with some stuff because, it, you know, not every session is tied up in a happy bow. Not every session has people walking out feeling like, oh, that felt so much better to offload. Um, sometimes it feels incredibly painful to work mm-hmm. through your stuff and to process things and to have things brought to light. And you need to be okay with not wanting to make everything better all the time. But if you're curious and you're compassionate and you're wanting to help people solve problems and you're resilient enough to like sit with the difficult stuff, then 100%, I think that this would be really, really fulfilling. Great. And then one reason why child psychologists are important to society. We are able to almost nip societal issues in the butt before they become societal issues. So being able to work with children in their formation stages will make a big impact to reduce the levels of substance abuse, to reduce the levels of violence, suicidality, a lot of those kind of societal issues. If they're in therapy and they're able to find a space to work through that, to find some healthy coping mechanisms, I think that that's already, not I think, I know (laughs) that that is going to make a huge impact in society for sure. And not only that, but also equipping parents with the ability to recognize things before they become worse. And so that they also are advocates for change in themselves so that it's not necessarily even a reliance on just child psychologists, but we're wanting to make an impact in the system and help people to just make better, healthier choices. Okay. I've never actually thought about it like that so thank you for giving that insight that's awesome Mm. and then just to wrap everything up a quick word of wisdom for someone currently dissatisfied in what they're doing and looking for another job I mean you asked me earlier about my values and I don't know if we take enough time to really think about what our values are and I think that that's one of the things to sit with is to really think about what your main values are because sometimes we think oh I, I need to chase comfort or I'm looking for something else because I'm fighting with my manager, whatever the case is, but to really just have a moment to sit about and think about what your main values are and to try and not make emphasis on the fluff around. So we're going to be dissatisfied about certain things in every single field that you're in, Mm -hmm. but to really think about what your main values are and be able to chase that shamelessly. I think when we're looking for jobs, it can be really intimidating and, you know, we present ourselves a little bit like, oh, I'm not sure how to talk about myself, etc. I don't want to disturb this person. But no, I think we really need to be shameless about our pursuits, about chasing our goals and making sure that certain values are aligned, right? You want that congruency between what I believe in, what I'm thinking, what I'm saying, what I'm doing. And I think that that really needs to be on the forefront. So shamelessly just kind of chasing your goals, your pursuits, and making sure that your values are aligned in all those areas. Okay. Excellent piece of advice. Thank you so much for joining me today, Benet, and giving us some insight into the field of child psychology. Thank you so much for having me, Kat. It was a pleasure talking. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, have a listen to Journey 12, in which Benet talks about dealing with social media anxiety. It would be awesome if you could follow our podcast, share it with a friend, or leave us a rating and review to let us know what you think. You can come and say hello on Instagram at regeneration.studio. And I hope you join me next time for more narrative journeys of entrepreneurs and artists living fearlessly to make a difference in their communities. 
and of course more rounds of career blitz <laughs>